The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. As you will no doubt have read or heard, RTE is facing a crisis in its relationship with the government after it declared misleading pay for star presenter Ryan Tuberty for years, undermining uh, its campaign for more public funding in the eyes of some analysts. In a disclosure that raises questions about the salaries of other top 10 presenters, RTE revealed Mr Tuberty received €345,000 in payments which were not publicly disclosed between 2017 and the start of this year. To discuss it, I'm joined by senior lecturer in the School of Media at TU Dublin, Harry Brown, editor of the Business Post, Daniel McConnell, and Irish Secretary at the National Union of Journalists, Seamus Dooley. And uh, Daniel, I might start with you in relation to this. If this was not RTE, so if this was a separate state entity wherein a senior executive, a senior quasi-employee, was being paid by a third party for what is in essence services delivered to the public entity, that in and of itself would raise significant governance questions. As you analyse this and as you look at it, what do you infer as to the reasoning for this method of payment in relation to Mr Tuberty? It's very hard to, to pin that down, Anton, but I mean, ultimately, the fact that it wasn't disclosed and ultimately the fact that Orti initially got itself, you know, that they did this arrangement in the context that the pay to its leading stars was being cut and had to be cut by up to 15%. We know from this statement that Orti delivered yesterday, Ryan Tobey's pay was only cut, the headline figure was only cut by about 11%. So they actually failed to even keep the, the pay cuts in line with what they had promised that they would do. But at the same time, this secret deal, side deal, um, emerged um, in conjunction with this third-party commercial partner. Um, but at the same time, Orti were underwriting and guaranteeing it. And as we know now, um, uh, or now know, I should say, we um, that when the commercial partner didn't want to continue that, Orti had to stump up the cash itself from its own uh, resources uh, to continue these payments of up to €150,000 to Ryan Toberty. So there's a myriad of questions that, 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 that are here in terms of how did this deal originate? Who was the genesis or what was the genesis of, of this deal? Who and RT signed off on this? Um, and, and ultimately as well, why did Ryan Tobery and his agent not blow the whistle on this before now uh, in terms of when RT were publicly disclosing the salaries of top um, individuals, a lot of them are contractors, some of them are staff, but when they clearly would have seen an incorrect figure or an understatement of his figure, why did they not seek to blow the whistle in relation to this? Now, and these are the very serious that questions note, Danny, that have. Both of those entities, both Mr. Tuberty and his agent, have uh, released statements and in those statements they have made clear that it is their view that disclosures in respect of RTE's accounting are a matter for RTE. As yeah, to and the my, and my, and my response to that, Anton, seriously, th- those statements aren't credible because you know they, they, they would have seen the public uh, public um, publication of those da- of that data, and it's incumbent, I would have thought, on them that if an, a glaring error, as it certainly was, uh, was being uh, allowed to be public publicised and widely debated, because this dominates the news agenda whenever they're published, uh, I think it's not credible for them to, to feign in ignorance uh, in relation to this. So I do think there are further now, questions uh, for Anton okay, Savage. Now, indeed, I just want to be clear on, on the, the what they are saying is that they, it, it is not to do with knowledge of rather whose role it is and whose responsibility it is to declare publicly. But let me go back for to a question around the payments, Danny, because one of the things that's interesting in respect of RTE's uh, disclosure is RTE said that across a three-year period they had used what they're determining as this barter account wherein a third party paid elements of um, what was ultimately Ryan Tuberty's um, costs 75,000 euro in each year 
In the notes to the detail that they provide, they indicate that there was actually an additional cost to RTE in so doing. So that to pay Ryan Tuberty €515,000, it cost RTE €555,000. Why would a state entity enter into a scheme of arrangement to pay a staff member that costs 30, or rather they pay a freelancer, that costs €30,000 more than if you paid that freelancer direct? And it, there is no clear answer to that at the moment. And these, this goes to the core of the questions asked of Shuni Rahalit, the chair of the RT board on the 6-1 News last night as to, you know, how was this allowed to happen? This makes David McCullough made the point. I think he did the numbers that when you look at it in its totality, I think the, the, the additional fees essentially in, in relation to this uh, structure amount to about €80,000. And this is just, it beggars belief, this is really bad business from an RT perspective. So why do it? Um, and it's clear that this, deal was essentially lay within the commercial department of RT. There was no finance oversight or no proper finance oversight in all of this. Now, that situation apparently has been corrected, but there are significant questions in relation to that element that need to be addressed. RT in its own statement said there's €120,000 of overpayments to Ryan Tuberty that are, are the subject to a separate investigation um, and Grant Thornton, the uh, you know, the, the kind of leading accountancy firm have been brought in to essentially kind of do a due diligence and look to, look to get to the bottom of all of this. But there are a myriad of questions Anton that remain in relation to the genesis of this the operation of this who was in control who signed off on this and as I said on the television last night with Terry Prone and, and uh, Shane Ross where's the director general the outgoing director general in all of this her silence is deafening in my view in relation to this where's the acting G- director general Adrian Lynch I believe he's out of the country his silence has been deafening in relation to this we need answers in relation to to all of this and they're not they haven't been forthcoming now let um, me just put that because there's a lot of numbers in place so let me just clarify it for just for our listeners in respect of those Danny the 120,000 you refer to as overpayments or undisclosed not publicly uh, declared payments relate to the period 2017 2018 and 2019 so that's 120,000 there are then the payments for the years 2020, 2021 and the early 22 and the early part of 2023, adding up in total to more than 340,000 euro. And if you look at the additional costs that were um, levied on RTE by virtue of the manner in which they paid, the total is north of 400,000 euro of additional cost to RTE that was not publicly declared, some of which, as you pointed out, was guaranteed by RTE, according to their statement, even if the third party decided not to continue to pay them, which is what occurred. Harry Brown is uh, with us uh, as well, lecturer in media. Have, can you explain, Harry, why RTE would enter into a situation where whatever about the probity of having a third party pay an element of Mr. Tuberty's uh, wages, why would they then guarantee that element if the third party stopped paying? Well, I mean, this is exactly what we need to find out. And there's clearly, this must be a result of a process of negotiation, a process of negotiation that really goes to the heart of what kind of relationships, sponsorships, uh, like the sponsorship of the Late Late Show uh, amount to. But also, we know that this, um, that this overpayment, as you've just pointed out, precedes this particular arrangement in relationship to the sponsorship. It really is a disastrous situation, and not least because RT has made the, kind of the annual spectacle of the top presenters' salaries a really important part of its campaign for sort of its own transparency, 
for the trust that it expects the audiences to have in it, and for indeed for its kind of social and fiscal responsibility, i.e. we are slowly but surely bringing down the top presenters' salaries in line with our uh, need to control costs and out of a kind of uh, social solidarity nearly. And there are stories going back years of, of uh, you know, in light of poverty, in light of the economic crisis, etc. So it really, it's, it's catastrophic for RT in that respect. And in particular, in a context in which uh, in recent years, this kind of idea of trust, trust put in RT during the pandemic, and trust put in RTE in contrast to the kind of mess of disinformation and misinformation that's available online. So RTE has, like other public service broadcasters and other legacy media indeed, has made trust essential to its branding with audiences. So as much as there is a kind of a crisis in relation to its commercial arrangements, as a crisis in relation to the uh, relations with the government and the funding model that uh, RTE is based upon, there's an overwhelmingly this is a crisis in relation to trust with audiences. And I say that, you know, with a certain amount of heartbreak because I believe in public service broadcasting and I believe that RT has a really important role to play. There's a question that that, uh, Daniel McConnell raised there, um, Harry, which you might have a view on. How is it, do you think, that this, that that the, the discrepancy didn't drop? with Ryan Tuberty himself, because undoubtedly he would have looked at newspapers that declared his income at €440,000, when in actual fact it was €515,000. Now that's that's what, a, a €75,000 differential. That's a significant differential. That That's twice the salary of a, a um, HSE staff nurse. Is, is it just that sure. he didn't notice? Sure, it's twice. It's more than twice the salary of a late, late show researcher, as well. You know, I mean, this is uh, this is you know, from the point of view of people who were colleagues in RTE, this is a really substantial sum of money. And the answer to that is, of course, we we can't say, but we can say that this is part of the suite of trust questions that needs to be addressed here. And and clearly, it's very damaging to, uh, you know, I mean, Ryan Tuberty is an entertainment presenter, but he is also a, a figure that the national broadcaster kind of entrusts with a portion of the national conversation, if you like. And uh, and for that reason alone, I think it's important that people feel that there is at least some element of transparency. And look, RTE and Ryan Tuberty and, you know, the uh, many of his colleagues have made a virtue of this transparency, even when I'm sure it has been exquisitely embarrassing about that annual uh, revelation. And to now understand that that annual revelation was uh, in some sense understating the reality makes it all the worse. Seamus Dooley, the Irish Secretary of the uh, National Union of Journalists is with us as well. Seamus, the journalistic impact of this, because as Harry Brown points out, there is an onus on RTE, which let us be clear, is the largest single funded current affairs outlet in this country. There is an onus on RTE to hold truth to power to um, check for transparency, to investigate public probity and behaviour. What impact do revelations like this have on its capacity to be credible in so doing? Well, I think the, you make a, I would make a distinction between the work of journalists in RTE and the, uh, the, the, the board. Uh, and I would make that distinction because clearly our members and the workers across RTE have no involvement in this. But in terms of public trust, this is enormously damaging. Um, my, I agree with what Harry has talked about. The dilemma we have is we ask the public uh, to trust RTE journalists but the RTE journalists can no longer trust their management. And that, that, that's a problem. 
in terms of industrial relations matters then in terms of morale within the organization because this this revelation followed a period wherein there was an extended tightening of belts and everybody was being asked to make sacrifices for the organization and we were told publicly that the organization's license fee earnings were not sufficient to fund it what impact will this have I'm sitting here in an office in RTE. I am meeting people who are saying to me in less polite terms, what the bloody hell is going on? Uh, And I'm asking that. I took part in negotiations where we were assured that cuts were made. We engaged uh, a a forensic accountant from Mazars to verify the figures presented by RTE on the basis of those reports where we had been shown the full books our members took pay cuts. We thought we had been shown the full story. We weren't. To go to the point that Danny has making, one of the issues that repeatedly came up was the top earners are not represented in those negotiations and, in fact, are represented by a third party, an agent who has contracts that are negotiated and cannot be altered at the moment. But we will deal with that later on. This is what we were told. I raised, and my colleagues in the NUJ in particular, raised the issue of third-party contracts. Why? And this is not new. This, you know, Gay Byrne, Pat Kenny, the late HO has a particular involvement with it, but it, it and, and it spread to wider, a wider practice. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that that revenue which RTE has is used to pay a third party who presumably is not doing this as some sort of Mother Teresa figure, gets a commission on the payment, and RTE have no direct involvement in the negotiation, apparently. It just doesn't make sense. And one of the issues that I would like to see RTE doing, and I would, in fact, I think the PSC has a role here in asking RTE, what is the logic of this? That they are fully integrated. You know, the notion that so-called talent, it's a phrase I don't use because I think everyone out here is talented, uh, the, the, the top stars who get this big money, they are fully integrated into the, into the, the, to, to the workplace. And this kind of third party arrangement makes no, offense, makes no sense. Indeed, although, although, although James, like, it has to be like, said that in that, in, the, in that instance, I have no doubt that the stars and the organ are the stars. The presenters and the organisation will say that they are independent freelance contractors and are therefore entitled to set up their arrangements and be represented by whomever they wish in whatsoever way that they wish. Can I ask a question, Shane? in respect to this. One of the things that RTE has uh, credited itself with is the alacrity of its response to the matter. This was revealed in March. Why do you think it took two and a half months to get to the point that it was made public? Well, I think I would make a distinction here between the board and the executive board. Uh, the, when it was revealed by the auditor uh, and reported to the executive board, the, the risk committee did act with alacrity. Uh, they did get Grant Thornton to review this practice, as I understand it, and that's why it took so long. When they got the report from Grant Thornton on Friday, they acted on this over the weekend. I had a briefing with trade union colleagues 10 minutes before the statement was issued. No one, including senior figures within uh, uh, HR, knew that this was coming until yesterday. And um, I think that the executive board has questions to answer. I think that the new chair and the members of the board, once presented with the auditor's report, seem to have acted quickly. What we have not heard from is the DG, who's missing in in action. We haven't heard from any member of the executive board. And while I commend the chair of the board for coming out and taking the hit in some respects, you know, what 
everyone here on the ground in Donnybrook and, and what I think everyone in the country wants to know is who signed off on this? This this money didn't magically appear in Ryan Tuberty's account. Uh, he didn't, ma- you know, this isn't magic money. And someone made this decision. Okay, well, Who can I go to that decision? matter? Because uh, Danny, Danny McConnell, to go, to go back to you, you, of course, before taking over as editor of the Business Post, spent a long time as a, a political correspondent. And obviously the likelihood is a lot of people are going to get dragged in front of a lot of Oireachtas committees in the coming weeks and in the coming months. Now, the issue for some will be, what role they are in at that point because we have a new chairman who has just taken over I think only about six months ago in November we have a new director general who is incoming in the form of Kevin Backhurst who was previously uh, head of or senior in news within uh, RTE and the existing DG D Forbes is in her final weeks in employment so who do you think will end up in front of the PAC and what experience do you think they'll have? It depends on how quickly they end up going in before the committee. I mean, obviously, listen to Brian Stanley, the chair of the PAC, and Catherine Murphy, the vice chair. I mean, they, they would want people in kind of tomorrow, if, if at all possible. Um, that's just obviously not going to happen. So, I mean, in the interim, before Kevin Backers takes up post, and he would be the accounting officer who you know, is generally the director general who goes in before the Oireachtas Committee, as well as the chairperson of the board, um, so you're looking in that instance, it would be Kevin Backers and Shuni Rahali. If it's before Kevin Backers comes in, it would be Adrian Lynch, who is now effectively the acting DG, because there is that question mark over the status of D Forbes. Um, there is, um, you know, you know her, her silence, as I said, it has been deafening in relation to this. But my understanding is she's actually not operationally present in the building uh, as of now. So there is a legitimate question mark as to who actually is in control of RT at the moment. Um, and, you know, in terms of who would go before the committee, I would presume they would have to de- designate a delegation. But it's generally headed by, by the the the. Director General in situ. So at the moment, that would be Adrian Lynch um, if it happens to occur before Kevin Packers comes in. But again, this is such a, I suppose we're in the white heat of, of this controversy. I think, you know, if a couple of days later we see where the dust lands, I think that we we may get clarity in relation to who knew what and when in the coming days. No doubt journalists and newsrooms all over the country are trying to get to the bottom of this um, and, and figure out what, what what went on. I do think, in fairness to Shuni Rahalik, I mean, she, she, she cut an uncomfortable figure on the 6-1 News last night, but I think she did an, an attempt to try and front up. I thought the statement was, was pretty detailed. However, it's not co- fully comprehensive. There are outstanding questions uh, for or three corporate to answer. Um, and ultimately, you know, she did make the commitment that people will be held accountable. Um, we'll just need to see the, 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 the detail of that and see who exactly she means, or if and when the full detail of this uh, Grant Thornton investigation uh, become clear. Well, I should make I should uh, make clear that in relation to that accountability, News Talk is, of course, the largest national broadcast news organisation outside RTE, and we did seek representatives from RTE to come on to discuss this matter. They were willing to appear on their own shows, but so far not on ours. But we'll see if that changes as the day continues. Daniel McConnell, editor of the Business Post, Harry Brown, senior lecturer in the School of Media in TU Dublin, and Seamus Dooley, Irish secretary at the National Union of Journalists. Gentlemen, thank you all very much. The Pat Kenny Show with. Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.